0: Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey everyone, welcome back to the basement. We are in John 9, wrapping it up today. And last time we were together, we touched on this moment of follow-up that Jesus had with this man who was born blind, but Jesus touched him, sent him, and healed him in that order. And so where we bump into Jesus and this man in verse 35, we have to understand that this man had never seen Jesus until now, that he had been touched by Jesus, that he had heard Jesus' voice, but he had not yet seen Jesus. And he had just been brought in before uh, the Pharisees and even before his neighbors and sort of questioned, like, what happened? You were blind and now you see. And he said, well, this is what happened. Okay, now quit asking me what happened. I've told you this before. And I don't know who this guy is, what he is. He's probably a prophet or someone of significance. All I know is that I was blind, and now I see. Powerful, powerful testimony. But then Jesus follows up with this man in verse 35. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Because after all of this, all of his testimony, they had thrown him out and not just casted him out of a building, but cast him out of society and having found him in verse 35 and having found him he said do you believe in the son of man he answered and who is he sir that i may believe in him because remember he had not yet seen jesus and jesus said to him you have seen him and it is he who who is speaking to you he said listen to his response He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Lord, I believe. He looked on Jesus, and when he saw Jesus, he had been touched by Jesus, he had been sent by Jesus, spoken to by Jesus. And and once he sees his face and sees him for who he is, the total package, he says, Lord, I believe, and it propelled him into a posture of worship, right? and w- w- last time we were together i encouraged you that that in the midst of everything going on we need to pray we need to worship and we need to focus in and lean into the moments that we have in front of us to be his image and to express the love of christ that is so needed right now and always and always in verse 39 it says jesus said for judgment i came into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind so he's speaking into this whole topic uh, this whole situation that this blind man who is blind from birth now sees and he doesn't just see the things around him but he has seen the works of God in his life and now he sees Jesus, the son of man before him, and is propelled into worship. And Jesus is explaining, for judgment I came into the world, that I would be here and you would know the right way to walk because you see me. That looking at the face of Jesus and seeing what he's done in your life, that that propels you into the purpose that God created us for back in Genesis, to bear his image. God is Love, that we would walk in love towards God and we would walk in love towards those around us. For judgment I came into this world that those who do, do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And this is where it gets really interesting because it says in verse 40 some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Before we get into that, I, I think it's funny. The Pharisees are like always lurking. I just imagine, like, it in in the scene that there's always a Pharisee in the background, just sort of like lurking, waiting to catch him. It says that they said, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. See, they're not saying explicitly like w- we see Jesus, but in a way, This is a sarcastic comment that they're making. Are we also blind? Because they're saying, you know that we read the scriptures. You know that we would be able to see the Lord if he was right in front of us. We see, Jesus. Are you calling us blind? They're trying to get into this almost aggressive argument. And Jesus says to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. He's saying you are even more guilty because you think. Think that you see, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. He's calling out this uh, from those who cannot see, he's bringing light and, and bringing sight to them, but for those who think they see and are looking upon Jesus and know what they need to do and know how looking at the face of Jesus propels us into a posture of worship that they're looking at him, but there's something holding them back. And this is the very thing that has been holding humanity back from living the true humanity, the way God created us are in, uh, through all of history. We go back to Genesis, Genesis 3. God had established that he created Adam and Eve in his image, that they would be ushers of his love into the world, that they would fill the earth and subdue it and work the land and be creative with God in expressing who God is and the love of God in the world. And then this mysterious serpent, this talking animal, shows up and says what? He says, if you disobey God, you can be like him. He was putting forward a choice for Adam and Eve to either live in the love and the purpose of God or, and to worship him with their lives or to worship themselves, to make themselves gods. And Jesus is speaking into the very same thing right here. He's saying to the Pharisees, you think you are all that and you know it. You think you're all that, a bag of chips, you're better than, than the, you're the best thing since sliced wonder bread, and that is what makes you guilty. It's not your blindness. If you were blind, there would be no guilt on you. It's not our blindness that makes us guilty. It's the fact that we know what to do and we refuse to do it. I have told you guys before that I went to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, in Perth, Australia. And I'll never forget this moment. We would we would go out and we would worship uh, in the town square. Uh, this was in Perth, so it's a, a larger city. And we would go downtown and we would just worship. like We were just worshiping Jesus. And if people would come and ask questions, we would sh- share the gospel, share our testimony, that kind of a thing. And... At one point, one of the leaders who was leading it, and typ- typically I would just go and worship, right? I was new to this whole, like, true, genuine faith thing. And this leader at one point was was publicly proclaiming the gospel. And he stops in the middle of it. And as he stops in the middle of it, I'm feeling this, like, pressing upon my heart. It. It almost felt like a, like a warming, uh, a, a flame in my heart is really the only way I can describe it. It was like this nervousness that, was, that had to get out of me. And um, he said, there's somebody here who needs to speak out the goodness of what God has done in their life to proclaim the gospel right now. And the Holy Spirit is leading you too do that and I, I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything even though I was like experiencing this like prompting this pressing to like speak up and to proclaim the gospel right and to proclaim the testimony of God in my life and and then he went even further and he said you're experiencing almost like a heat on your chest right now that is that is like calling you to speak out and I was like wow. Like this guy has my number and he's, he knows what's going on, but I was too scared to proclaim. I was too scared of what people would think of me. This was early on in, in my faith. Um, this was early on and in, in right after Jesus had revealed himself in a supernatural way in my life. And even though I had seen his face, I was still like nervous to step into this life in this way of Jesus and I always remember that moment because I knew what I needed to do. It was confirmed in my heart. It was confirmed by this leader. And then it was confirmed again by this leader. I knew what I needed to do. And all I needed to do was speak up. And just proclaim to worship him through, through the telling of the story of what Jesus had done in my life. You know, it's always a win-win situation when you when you proclaim the goodness of God and you share the gospel. But I was too scared. I was too afraid of what people might think of me. At that point, I was more important and my feelings and the way people perceived me was more important than the way people saw and perceived God. And for a lot of years, that mo- it was moments like that pro- that propelled me into obedience. But as I have grown in, in discovering who God is and, and looking at the revelation of God in the Bible, the truth, the word of God, as well as him showing up in my life and through my relationship with him. I have become bolder, not because of the missed opportunities, but because of his face, but because of his glory. So we've been talking a lot about sort of this hardened heart and maybe l- leaning into the Pharisees a little bit, this hardened heart, this blindness, and now we're seeing the spiritual blindness that Jesus is calling out, that they are so focused on their selves and Instead of God, and it's holding them back from true worship. It's holding them back from the purpose God created them for. I think 2 Corinthians 3 really helps us get a clear vision of what this looks like. It says, But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit so what what is being said here is that As we look at God, as as Jesus removes the veil and reveals himself to us, that in the spirit, as we look at the spirit and what, what God is doing through his spirit in our lives, as we dig into scripture and see more and more of who God is, that glory manifests in our life, that we are propelled into a place where we are bearing his image, that we are walking in the fullness of what he created us for that we were made for love, and we were made to participate in the glory of God as we are creative with this creative God, that we are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, that our life moves from glory to glory. But the one thing we can learn from all these texts, from John 9, to Genesis, to 2 Corinthians, is there's one thing that could hold us back from all of that, and that is our own pride. And by having the focus of our lives be on ourselves instead of on this perfect God who created us to live true life. You know, my prayer on a regular basis is that God would open my eyes and continue to open my eyes so I can see Jesus in his fullness. It's why I read the Bible. It's why I lean into situations where I know that God is going to show up in mighty ways. It's why I have faith and trust in him. Because as I see him work and I see his face, I am propelled into worship in my heart and in my mind. And, and that worship, falling into my purpose in worshiping God, is what sets everything straight and in order in my life. Everything good in my life has come from seeing God and being propelled into worship, that it really drives our lives. And that is my prayer as well, that this week, this weekend, that as you would continue to go to God's word, that you would continue to tune into the things that God is doing in your life that you would be propelled into a posture of worship. And the world is crazy right now. There's so much going on and I I would ask that you would continue to seek the Lord out and seek the Spirit out on what to do next. But a great starting point is a place of worship. And this place uh, this place in this posture of worship comes from setting yourself aside and looking to Christ as the ultimate expression of, of who God is and the love that he is. And that will help us operate in the love we were created to love in. I love you guys. I pray that this was a blessing to you and know that I'm continuing to pray for you all in this wild season of life where everything seems to be piling on top. Jesus is good, and him and his spirit will carry you through it. He lives inside of you, you who choose to walk in the way of Jesus. You are a temple of the living God. Be encouraged by his spirit today, and I look forward to the next time we get to be together.